Welcome back to Well Played Podcast, a podcast on all things joyful and playful in education. I am here recording at AMLE 19, uh, getting some podcasts here, and I'm with Todd Block, and we are going to be chatting about everything in the middle, or everything about the middle. Uh, I think it's going to be a great chat, but before we dive in, Todd, can you give yourself a brief introduction? Sure. Um my name is Todd Block. I'm a seventh grade science teacher in Warren Woods Middle School in Warren, Michigan. Uh, I've been a teacher for 19 years. Uh, before I was a teacher, I was a communication major. And I worked in video production and uh, sales. Uh, and I didn't find that too rewarding, so I decided to uh, <laughs> shift. I was always told by my grandparents that I'd make a good teacher, so I shifted and uh, went into teaching and fell in love with the middle. That's awesome. Uh, so Todd and I, this, this, I'm excited about this. So Todd and I have known each other for, ooh, I don't know, seven, eight years. Eight years, I think. Yeah. Actually, no, I know for sure it was eight years because it kind of has something to do with my daughter. But um, Todd, Todd runs the MS chat. Yes, sir. And that was the first chat I had ever participated in. And that really... I mean, that, that's a pivotal, pivotal moment because going to that chat, seeing that, that's really where you amped up this connected educator piece, right? I mean, like, certainly, yeah. I you mean, can follow certain people, but yeah, being part I mean, of a chat. MS Chat is a way of connecting middle school educators. MS stands for middle school. Some people think multiple sclerosis, but now we just say, sorry, wrong chat. Maybe find a different one or uh, maybe at a different time and place. That's right. 8.30 or 8 o'clock Thursday nights, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Some people are from other time zones. And uh, yeah, that's when it started about eight years ago. Um, my principal connected with some people and she came to me and said, hey, how about we together start a middle school chat? And uh, we did the first one together and she lasted the first one. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> then said, hey, Todd, you got this. I, I have other obligations. Obviously, principals are extremely busy, and she did. And uh, since then, I, I've been running it uh, for eight years, and it's a fabulous way to connect with other educators throughout the state, make sure you're not feeling alone, and uh, validate or explore new ideas and uh, try new things. Yeah, so everybody check that out if you're a middle school teacher. And I got to tell you, even if you're not a middle school teacher, kind of that nice awesomeness about being in the middle is a lot of the activities, a lot of the things suggested, a lot of the problems we're seeing, you can just click it up a few ticks and now it's a high school thing and you can click it down a few ticks and now it's good for elementary. Certainly, yeah, I don't think anything's un totally unique in the middle, although it's that big transitional stage where you go from single teacher, 30 kids in one class, that's all you interact with, to uh, switching classes and all the anxiety that is, comes with you know changing and having six, seven, eight teachers in a day, having a locker combination you gotta figure out. You know, is That's that a big step. Yeah, is that frontal lobe fully developed and it slowly develops over time. So we see it change. Uh, having taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade over the years, it's really cool to watch them change from a sixth grader who comes in, some of them still struggling with their shoes, big problems at the locker, to the eighth grade confidence where they're like ready for high school and uh, I, it's really fun. That's that's why I love being in the middle. It's watching these kids grow and develop so much and discover who they really are. Yeah, I mean the middle school. For those of you that don't teach it, uh, I can I can get that outside perspective where it's like crazy or scary or the kids are 
hot messes or lanky and too big for their body and not coordinated. But for those of you that do teach middle school, you know that that is like that's we love them for all of those things we love them for all their faults and their growths yeah because uh, they're not really faults i mean it's temporary we have to remind them that they didn't walk the first time they tried to walk and we have to remind them that you know they didn't talk the first time they talked they all started by falling over they all started by going goo goo gaga and now look at them and then they they get caught up in thinking about how perfect they can be i think it reminds me back flashing back to just an hour ago when we listened to jessica Leahy talk about uh, failure and how we have to be careful as adults not to judge that because we all have gone through that awkward style. I know I flashed back to my middle school years where my hair with a cowlick in the middle parted and it's called golden arches because it looked like the golden arches at McDonald's. But th that awkward stage is so nice and we can celebrate the uniqueness that we have and we have to pass that on to our kids. Yeah, I loved Jessica Leahy. She had a wonderful and powerful message uh, definitely like solid takeaway for me is where she sort of broke down sort of the things that our kids need and she and she was speaking truly like K through 12 here yes but you know this idea that they need agency they need uh, connection and they need uh, competence yes sir and that, I don't think that was the order she said them in but that was definitely like the three central points and kind of broke those down and you know when I think about middle school and if we look at those three words Gosh, do they need them. They need all of them. Yes, they certainly do. They need the agency to make their own decisions and not fear the failure that they're going to might have because we forget that failure is what this country was based on. Uh, failed colonies, failed this, failed taxes by England. And there's so many failures that adults experience and try. Uh, but kids, they feel That's... it's permanent and they feel it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be a failure for my whole life. And it defines them when it, it doesn't. We're constantly in this evolution and we have to remember to remind our students that, all right, hey, that was today. What about tomorrow? Wake up, the sun will come out and we're going to be good and move forward. Todd, I have never heard anybody say it that way. And I absolutely love that our country is truly a failed colony. Yeah, I mean... That's what we're founded on. That's our American way of life. So I dig it. Look at all the businesses that fail every day and uh, they close and sh shop, transition, transform and change. Uh, and, you know, everything's transitioned, transformed and changed since the beginning. And, uh, you know, Blockbuster Video isn't there, but we now have Netflix. Uh, we teach kids that that's the evolution of how things go. So they have to remember they're always going to be learning. They're going to fall flat on their face. But... Uh, pick themselves up, move forward the next day, wipe themselves off, and they'll be good. Yeah, so this this podcast kind of always centering on, you're right, the title's well-played, like a good idea. That was like a well-played idea, well-played moment. Uh, I kind of want to ask you, being a middle school teacher, what's what's been some of your, like, well-played moments that you can think about that, that might be helpful, that might be, like, something you could pass on here in the podcast? Thinking like recently, the most well-played thing I, I feel in my life right now in, in the classroom is uh, the student news program that we started at my school. Uh, uh, last year in February, a student walked up to me and said, hey, Mr. Block, I heard you might be able to help with this idea I have. And I said, all right, well, what's the idea? I'd like to do the news because I'm interested in going to that for a career. And uh, we don't have anything like it. And our school used to a long time ago, and she knew that from her mom. And I was like, 
Yeah, sure. And six kids started meeting at 7.30 in the morning <laughs> twice a week. And we produced the news once a week, emailed it to the staff, put it out on YouTube. And it's not perfect. It has its flaws, but the students enjoyed doing it. And they, it was a reason they were coming to school. And we talked about getting it built into our advisory, but logistically it just never worked because of other programming we needed to provide for our students. But this year, those last year's seventh graders are now eighth graders. Four of them are still coming and they're the leaders and they're teaching a new group of about 20 seventh graders how to produce this news program. And really, I'm just a facilitator. I'm there to help solve any problems and make sure that it gets done. But we have four wonderful eighth grade students that are modeling and showing and passing on the knowledge to a group of seventh graders. And we produce the news uh, once a week. It's posted on YouTube and a Facebook group so the community can see it. And how's you know, the response been from the community, like the parents, the people that are outside those walls? Yeah, so uh, once we started posting on Facebook, the parents were like so proud of the kids and they kept sharing it. Uh, we almost instantly doubled our viewership. And then it was awesome at conferences. One of the parents who, of a student who's not in my class came up to me and said, well, my child is always late to school, but you know, I have a hard time getting him up. But now he wants to be, has to be here by 7.30, two days a week. And the principal even noticed that there was a change in his tardy behavior because it doesn't happen on those two days because he needs to be there at 7.30 to participate in the student news. That's awesome. And it's awesome to give the kids a reason to show up. I think uh, we get caught up in a lot of the standards and we forget that they're kids. And we need to focus on the play and the fun and the excitement that comes into any job. And we can take our standards and put them into anything, although I'm not grading them. They're mm -hmm. making this for their pure pleasure and their pure pride in sharing with the school. I think too, like giving kids, I'm gonna air quote this like authentic uh, experiences and why I air quoted it, your experience is authentic. They are literally making a product, they're putting it out there literally for people even outside the walls. That's very authentic. Right. But what I think like as teachers we need to remember is our kids' power of imagination is so great that even if you just frame an experience as sort of like, like let's just take your student news, let's say that you were doing this as an assignment and that you're not actually gonna build an audience, you're not actually gonna put it out there, but even just framing it that you're a news crew and that you're, that sometimes is enough to make the kids that, like they have to come to school. Right. And right. all of a sudden giving them that like little pop of like, excitement, that little pop of engagement that like, oh, we're like a news crew, we got our news team, and we're gonna like, as an assignment, all do like a, a news team assignment of a historical event or of like a scientific discovery. Even that, it's just, that's a lot more exciting than write a paper on your science. Oh, and it totally is. I mean, the kids, when this started, at the beginning of this year, we got this bigger group and they were recruiting students to come in and then they're like, Hey, Mr. Black, we need press badges. And they went home, and one of the students, oh, his that's father, awesome. worked and made a press pass for every student. And they took, and they got pictures from the student IDs, and we transferred them on there. And they now have all laminated press badges that they wear on lanyards. And it gives them, our principal now recognizes if they're covering a story, permission to walk as a hall pass to walk around at certain times as they're carrying, you know, they have their press pass. And 
I was like, holy cow, that is just incredible that the students came up with this on their own. I was gonna say that's student driven and right there, people, this is the passion that we can have. It's definitely like easier to ignite that kind of passion, I think, in middle school kids because sadly, like over time, it gets lost a little bit. But I gotta tell you, if like we create these kind of environments where these ideas, ground up ideas from the, the students all the way up to us teachers and even admin, uh, it can make such a difference. And then all of a sudden you create this world in which even your high school students are like, let's go home and do this. Let's make the press passes. Let's talk to the principal. Certainly, I, I, I wanna even bring up another story and it's still focused on the student news that we've been working now and it's November uh, and we have a Make a Difference Week that actually starts on Monday. And um, our students were researching the story, they're writing the story, and one of the authors is diabetic. And next Friday, and I, November, I forget the date, is uh, National Diabetes Day, Awareness Day. And they had a spirit day planned by another group in the school, the Do Something Committee, and they were gonna charge a dollar for the kids to wear pajamas. And this student asked me, hey, Mr. Block, can we do something? I said, you can do anything. What do you wanna do? She's like, well, could we raise money instead of just taking a dollar and giving it back to the PBIS, the school? Could we give it to juvenile diabetes? I said, you need to talk to the teacher that's in charge of this, and if they okay it, of course we can. Gave her the agency to go take care of it, because it's not my job to take her passion and pass it on to another person. Yep. She went down, the other teacher was so excited, and really, it just flashed in her head. She wasn't even aware it was National Diabetes Day, because recently had a relative diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. She was just sent me an email right away. Oh my God, you're doing incredible things. These kids are incredible. And I was so pleased that a student would speak out on their behalf for their cause that's affecting them. We need to do more things that allow them to have that voice, have the choice to act upon it and do something that can make a difference. Because if it starts in the middle school, these kids are gonna care about the world when they're adults. And that was just an incredible example of how small things can lead to bigger actions. I really love that story, and I think what it reminds me about is I, I liked that in that story, all you did was sort of amplify the student's excitement in, in the student. So the student was still the one that was going and doing these things, having these conversations. All you did was echo back to her, like her own idea, and, and just gave a direction, like go over there and talk to, talk to Susie. Yeah, having read a lot of the middle school literature and the authors that are here at AMLE, it always said that, you know, you can't tell students what to do. You just have to give them the options. And I used, I, the old me, maybe 10 years ago, would have like, all right, I'll take care of it. And it would have probably gotten lost in the shuffle and I would have called down, hey, can we change this to this? And it wouldn't have had the impact on that student, but she came back so excited the mom sent a message in, thank you for giving the student the opportunity to share her story and talk about it. The video piece we're working on this week is her talking about why it's important to raise the money. And I'm just so impressed with the students' actions. And the more we give them opportunities and take off the leashes of control, I think the more they can surprise us. Even though they're awkward, they're growing, <laughs> they're gonna make mistakes. and. Trust me, we've made our mistakes as a group. There's been, the, you know, it's not perfect, but 
the mistakes is where we grow. 100%. If we don't make those mistakes, we're going to just think we're perfect. And the first time we encounter a difficulty or failure, we're going to cry and, and wonder why. And uh, the more we give students to make mistakes and not have to worry about a letter grade or a red pen on their paper and give them the real world, because in my job, my boss doesn't come down to my room and make a big F on my door because I made a mistake in the classroom. And trust me, I make them. It, I reflect on it. I go, oh, that was a mistake. I talk to my coworkers and say that we have to give our students that opportunity. Instead, I think so often in school environment, we're too easy to quick to grade. And we need to be, hey, can you reflect on that? I had a, sure. we had a problem where two of our anchors were fighting and I pulled them both aside and I say, hey, can you reflect what happened? And they, I made a mistake was the first thing out of one of the students' mind. And I was like, I'm glad. Can you go admit that to the other student because their feelings are hurt? And it was resolved very quickly. And they know that in our, I, I basically said, if we can't resolve this, you can't participate. And they both really quickly solved the problem together collaboratively versus being felt like they were being judged. Yeah, I think that the, the cool part about that story too is that you put it again back in the students' hands. Like you allowed a kid-sized problem to be solved by a kid. I. I Again, I think it goes back to all the pedagogy I've learned in the middle school is that you can't do it for them. Yeah, but I mean, so many people jump to that, you know, whether you're a parent or even a teacher. It, it is a quick way. Hey, it's resolved. You're going to get a detention or whatever yep. type of discipline it is. Go to the office, which I, I don't know what they do down there, so I don't know why I need to send them there. So <laughs> that's that's how I feel. Like, What are they going to do? They're going to sit in a chair and wait for somebody else to, t oh, okay, but we'll solve it here. It takes more time in the classroom, it takes more patience, and it might mean you let go. You might not teach all the standards, you might not hit everything, but I think it teaches the kids so much more. Uh, I hope we focus on the life skills that our students need, not the, the knowledge base. They can always look that up on Google. We need to teach them how to critically think, problem solve, and interact with each other in a positive way. I hope that becomes the focus of the schools of the future. I'm with you there. Uh, you know, I. That's a hard shift, like as a nation, to like choose that, but I think it's so the right shift to make, you know, but school's ingrained in this idea of like content, content, content. Uh, over the last decade, maybe even more than that, probably the last 15 years, states, I mean, probably 15-ish years ago, states went to state standards and, you know, the right. whole like standardization, which at least the first iteration was all content focused. And then now we, we even have STEM, which if you look at STEM, I mean, it's all content related. So I mean, like content still is king. And I, I gotta say, I don't, I don't wanna like put you on the spot, but I, I really agree with what you were just saying there. Like while content is important, content is the vehicle that we're gonna look at and we're gonna like inspect, it's really all about the mechanics around the vehicle. It's about you, the mechanic, you, the student, you know, and developing that while we tinker with the, the automobile of content. Right. I, I want to go back to a quote I keep sticking in my mind. Have you experienced the experience that takes experience to experience? And in well, that quote... Say that, say that slower. Uh, so have you experienced the experience that takes experience to experience? Wow. 
And in that quote, we need to create experiences for our students. It's not about learning so much anymore. Rote memorization is something, if I'm on a job, if I don't know a fact, I can quickly go look it up. I have Google on my phone. They used to say, well, why do I need to learn the math? I'm, well, you're not going to carry a calculator everywhere, but we do. Why do I need to memorize something that's written on the wall when I can now take a picture of it and I carry a camera everywhere? But we need our students to experience the experience in middle school or even younger that takes the experience to experience so that we need to, that's similar to what a job is like. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in a job am I getting a letter grade that I'm aware of. Maybe I haven't done all the jobs in the world, but I did work in the <laughs> private sector before I was a teacher. So please message Michael and let, let me know if I'm wrong there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, nowhere in a job am I critically judged based on the fact that I might not remember something. And nowhere in a job am I left alone to fill out a piece of paperwork without the ability to consult with a friend or a coworker. And I think those are the we do differentiated learning. Those are things that we're starting to blend into the classroom. So how can we bring that more and more into the classroom and give the students experiences that are like a job experience or like real life experience instead of this odd thing where you sit, listen, and somebody tries to project knowledge into their minds. Um, we're not gonna hook them up to the computer. It's not matrix where we can download something very quickly. So let's just focus on teaching them the skills that really get people by, teaching them how to connect, how to be competent in their work, and, and uh, how to have agency and be able to speak for themselves. Yeah, collaboration and creativity. I Certainly. Mean, those are two C words that I care a whole lot about. There's a whole lot of C words. And, there are, but those two for me. And F words that we can sit in here and talk Whoa. about. But, uh, you know, family and friends and failure are things we need to be talking about. Yeah. I think, too, as a middle school teacher, and I know you, middle school teacher as well, uh, I just like the energy that's in middle school. So for anyone out there that's thinking about which area to sort of specialize in, if, if you have it in you to sort of give these middle schoolers a try, uh, I got to say, like, there is just a genuine zeal about middle school students that I think is different than a lower school or elementary student and different than a high school student? Yeah, they're transitioning. Uh, they're learning to deal without having recess. The energy does boil over into the classroom. It's not burned out on the soccer field or yeah, know, yeah. the jungle gym. And I think we can capture that and use it for positive change in the, the, the school and the world. And it, it is. That's, that's why I love teaching in the middle is you don't know what you're going to get each day. It's fun. It's jovial. It has its struggles like any level but it's just incredible what these kids bring into the school and uh, their passion for figuring things out just think about a middle school mind when they're handed something new that they want to learn and figure out uh, they go at it with such great gusto just like hey I want to figure out how to play a new game yeah hey I always have to remind my they're like I don't want to do this I was like why'd you want to figure out Fortnite I don't know how, and they love teaching me how to play Fortnite, and I love teaching them how to do science. So that's where we have that funness. You know, always ask a middle school student to teach you something, and they, they get a smile on their face, and they go crazy. Well, and like, your ability to be relational to the thing that they really like, 
invites them to be relational to the thing that you really like? I hope so. I think so. I mean, I, it's, that's what I've seen in my experience. Yeah, I, I, I obviously every kid's different. You got to figure out how to relate to them. And uh, that's the uniqueness of the middle school too. If you, you know, you look at a classroom and you have students that are are way above grade level and students that are way above grade, way below grade level and you have to figure out how to make it all work for as many of them as possible and not let them fall through cracks and uh, try to engage them and uh, remember that they might fail but that's on the path to success. So all right one little shift here if we're going to discuss everything in the middle yeah I gotta ask you you know, being a teacher, a veteran teacher of middle school, what are some little activities you've dropped into your classroom to sort of captivate and engage those students? But not, not huge projects. I'm talking about like, oh shoot, your lesson finished and you have 10 minutes left. What do you do, Todd? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, we usually go off and I play stump the teacher and I have them shoot out questions and see if they can stump me and help they feel better about themselves that they know something I don't know. Nice. Um, are these like science-related questions uh, or pick, anything? Uh, you know, some days we'll pick topics. Obviously, they can stump the teacher with something about Fortnite or Visco because I really didn't understand that at the start of this year. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, sometimes we'll pick a category. Sometimes I'll say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? And the students are all eager to get up in front of the class and teach something. Oh, so you kind Disco. of open uh, mic night, they get yeah, to teach. Open, open mic night, they get, they get to teach. Uh, you know, some other things I've done, like on my Fridays in my advisory class, I've now made it karaoke Fridays where they pull up different music videos and they get to sing along and do stuff like that to fill time. And I do that at the end of class occasionally. Um, we got a list of favorites. Uh, to start my class, I've done some cool stuff, I think, because I used to start my class with, uh, hey, here's a warm-up question. Please respond to something we learned earlier this week or earlier in the unit. And now I noticed uh, a few years back, I noticed it was like going on in every classroom. They're walking to math class doing a problem. They're walking to language arts class doing a writing assignment. They're walking to social studies class doing a mapping activity. Why do they, they, they just don't want to have a pencil and paper to start class. So I tend to start class with uh, three to four to five minute video, somewhere short about the topic we're talking about. That's a cool and idea. It's incredible that we have a lot of music videos out there for science that connect to the content. So it's usually content related, always content related, but uh, mostly music. It's just to sing and they'll sing along and they'll get up and dance, get the energy out, start the class and then, all right, we're ready to learn, let's go. And um, I found that's a great way to also transition into class, get all that teacher stuff done, the attendance, the, hey, I got to go to the, Mr. Block, I really got to, I've been holding it since last, all right, go. Happens all the time. I'll see you come back, and, uh, and that gets us going, and, you know, we get into the class activities and what we're doing for the day, so um, those are the things that I've started been doing and uh, seeing that help the middle school student uh, really enjoy or at least be engaged in the classroom. I love those suggestions, uh, and I think like those are super practical suggestions that any of us could take and use. Again, new teacher, older teacher, you know, veteran uh, or rookie can uh, use those right away. Uh, I really like your idea of shaking up kind of the the bell ringer, the traditional bell ringer, 
Uh, so these videos, like you said, are anywhere from like a music video to, is any of them like documentary type style? Uh, some of them can be, yeah. There, there's a lot, for science, there's a lot of short four or five minute videos. So some of them can be that style. Uh, usually I try to find a music video and the students, uh, you, you wouldn't believe it, they just get addicted to certain ones. If we're studying cells, there's one that goes cell cells are made of organelles. And uh, like I have students that come back to me still to this day that are in the high school that come back and they'll start singing the song to me. So they'll request, Ms. Walk, we need to see this song again. We need to see this song again. So sometimes it's the same one a few days in a row just because they want it sure. so bad. Or I'll skip a day and they'll be like, what happened to that one? Can we, like, oh, but I put a different one out. No, no, we need that one. And uh, I had a student who came up and she wrote her own. I said, all right, can we make a music? She's too embarrassed to like record it, but she wrote her own song, about, modeled after a song we did, all on her own, not an assignment. Again, giving the students examples and things, and then they create their own things without ever being asked is when I feel like I'm doing my job as a teacher. Well, and again, you gave them that agency to, to be able to dream big in terms of like, let's make our own, let's possibly shoot our own video, let's shoot our own audio, like whatever you, you will, you allow that possibility of exploration into these these unknown spaces for them. Yeah, I just enjoy seeing the students like doing something else. It really came about because I I shadowed a student, which I think I recommend to any teacher if you have the time and have have the ability. I sh shadowed a student for a day. Principal gave me um, time off. Uh, we had an extra sub in the building about 10 years ago, and I walked around and I followed the student. And I walked into each classroom, even my own, with a guest teacher and saw that they were doing like the same thing to start each class. And I was like, how monotonous? What, how is that helping these students? They're gonna get, oh no, not another, oh no, not another. By third hour, they're gonna be like, oh, well, really, I gotta keep writing? So that's when I decided to mix it up. I think that's really cool that you, you followed a student schedule even your own like so these are these clearly were your own like grade level students yeah did you participate in all the activities or were you like uh, an observer? in my class i took over teaching because i wanted to make sure it was done effectively but in the other classes i tried to nice i really i think i want to try to do this yeah i mean it's an idea that again i heard it first i think on an amily podcast a number of years ago that somebody did it or somewhere on twitter and uh I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Our principal then talked about it, and uh, same principal that encouraged me to do the Twitter chat, and and she did it, and she talked about it at a staff meeting and said, you know, if we have subs available at the time, we did. Obviously, it's not as effective now when we have sub shortages in lots of places, but um, and then the opportunity arose, and I did it and shared with my department what I saw and our teams what I saw. That, I mean, it had to produce like just a unique take you know like we can sit around at committee meetings and say we should do this or we should have recess here or class length should be this long or whatever but really like to walk through the day of a student and in an entire day like i've done where i in my prep period i've sat in another class to get a feel but like right but then i went back to my class and taught my class you know right i mean i went and s observed them at lunch i didn't sit with them at lunch uh Although I occasionally now go down and just sit down with lunch with different kids, and I'm lucky that I have my prep hour is uh, 
during the eighth grade lunch so I can go see the students I saw before and see how they're doing. And they always talk to me. And then um, I sometimes go down there in seventh grade lunch too. Well, that's awesome. We have to sort of wrap this podcast up. I usually do at the end of the podcast something called reflection time where we gather a quote. I got to admit, I did not get a quote ready for our podcast today. I apologize. But that doesn't mean we can't still do reflection time. Uh, So my question to you for our final sort of thoughts here are if you were... if you were to try to like give yourself advice, your first year teaching middle school, but what you know now yourself, what would be something you'd pass on to the first year version of Todd? So a letter to my former self. Sure, yep. we do this with students all the time. I know that's the end of your activity. I do with seventh graders to write letters to sixth graders that are coming in my class about my class. Uh, the advice I'd give myself is, uh, Focus on your students, listen to your students. You're here for your students. The reason we teach is for the students. And make sure that everything you're doing is in the, their interest. And uh, the curriculum and the paperwork and all the other stuff is important, but is secondary to our students. That's solid advice. I mean, I think relationships king. That would be advice I'd give to, to former me. And uh, I think the other advice I'd give to any new teacher or myself back then would be uh, it's, it's okay to try new things, you know? Oh, yeah, certainly. I, that's, that's the, uh, I, I think I've always felt pretty open. I have had great leadership over the years in my school. The principals have always been welcoming to new ideas, so I, I, I think that's not not why it's the top of my head, but I do know some teachers are in fear of the overall, hey, I'm going to get evaluated, I don't want to fail, but you should never be afraid of that trying something because you might fail. Well, I think also, too, I think we have to look at evaluations a little differently as teachers, not as administrators. I think truly most of us do a good job, even when we fail, like, it's clear where your heart was. It was clear what you were aiming at, and it didn't work. So we got to, like, reframe evaluation as, like, it's a conversation you're having a little bit with yourself because it's reflective and your admin team to maybe get those results you wanted in the end. It's it's not like I have to hit every one of these things as a home run. I, I, I completely agree. I think teachers at times were over really overcritical of our practice. Uh, sure. And we, we see every little flaw we did and we think about every little thing we could have done better. And that's why we're so fearful of doing something that's failure. Because I reflect back and there was one time a former administrator came in and, and observed me and I, I, I thought it was the worst lesson I'd probably ever done to that point. It was my, <laughs> my third year teaching and I was like, oh man, why did I have to get observed? I'd have... So I walked in and I said, you know, I'm sorry. I did, and they're like, what are you sorry for? That was a pretty good lesson. I know you had this behavior problem and I know you had that and these students have track records and and what I saw is, yes, this didn't go as well, but what I saw is how you backtracked and you redirected and you solved your problem and you did ultimately get to your learning goal and I was walking in thinking I just did the worst thing ever. I'm going to get minimally or ineffective in ratings in different areas and sure, Obviously, that 
not what happened. And uh, the principal was incredibly reflective with me and helped me realize my strengths in that. And I think that's, that's where teachers have to rethink and not be as completely critical of themselves. They need to be honest and reflect honestly. Obviously, we do make mistakes. Everybody does. But I know that when you're honest and you honestly reflect with an administrator, I've always felt supportive. I've never had that negative feeling. And so uh, as long as administrators also remember that they're supposed to support and help teachers grow, which I know from my experience is what every administrator I've ever dealt with, that's their goal. Yep, um, I agree. When we both focus on that goal, I think we're going to be there. And that fear has to leave our heads. And we have to boldly step forward um, and uh, make sure that our focus is the students and their learning and we can get there. I love it. Thank you so much for being part of the well-played community, Todd. I hope uh, to have you back on again. It's always good talking middle school with you. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. It's just great running into you here at AMLE. And uh, it's been a long time coming. That's hope, right. Here's the great things in the future. Yeah, a little more like more uh, regular seeing each other would be good, not on an eight-year cycle. Certainly. Certainly. Hopefully next year in uh, Washington, D.C., we'll run into each other our more more often maybe on the high summits and other true. stuff. So, Well, thank you and everyone else listening. Thank you for being a part of the Well-Played community as well. As always, you can check out more information on my website, mrmatera.com, and my YouTube channel. I always love to connect with you guys. Take care.